Bibles, you can feel free to turn to the book of Jonah, which is buried in the last quarter of the Old Testament, or you could do that, and for extra credit, you could actually put one finger over in the New Testament in Romans uh, chapter 12, because that's going to be kind of a highlight section for what we're talking about tonight. If you uh, missed out last week, um, I'd encourage you to go back and check out the video uh, from it. Um, we've had an opportunity to start a brand new series called Jonah and the God of the Awkward Call, this, this very, very precise reality that we see in Scripture of the fact that God is not someone who's simply calling us to a, a comfortable or set up or, 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 man, things are just better and better since Jesus but actually he's calling us into a lifestyle of coming and dying, of surrendering, and, and it's difficult, and, and it's precarious, and, and it's complicated. Um, and Jonah, as opposed to the flannel graph uh, version that we maybe some of you grew up with in in, in Sunday school, he's far more complicated than that. Um, last week, we kind of did a good job to try to give you the periphery story. And so just in summary, we've got Jonah, and we had Jonah played by Pastor Jason. We had a couple of sailors, because Jonah is called someplace. He decides to go to the opposite direction. Um, God provides a great fish, who eventually swallows him. Uh, and he goes to Nineveh, but Nineveh, as opposed to being just not so great guys that we sometimes think about in Sunday school, are far more like ISIS. And in fact, the truth be told, not are, are the Ninevites far more like um, ISIS, but also on top of that, we have Jonah being far less like J Pastor Jason and far more like the most patriotic person you can imagine, Toby Keith. So the truth is, is that you've got a situation where a, a absolutely uh, ridiculous story is taking place. God is saying, I'm going to take the most patriotic prophet to go to the, the country's to a country that is the number one enemy of our people and go pr pronounce a opportunity to repent and, and avoid judgment. And instead, Toby Keith decides, I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll pronounce judgment, but I'm not going to go and pronounce an opportunity for the, these guys to have repentance and not receive the judgment of God. If these guys don't receive the judgment of God, they're able to come back and take us down tomorrow. What if I just step back and let God take them out today? I'll be the most patriotic, the most, man... U.S. It's going to be amazing. People are going to love me. And so that's exactly what Jonah does. Last week, we, we had an opportunity to, to really hone in on the fact that God is not all about keeping you safe from difficulty or danger. He's not simply trying to keep you alive. That is not his goal. That is not his mission. Instead, God is all about keeping you safe from distance. He's, his call is going to constantly be bringing you into dangerous, difficult dire situations. That is, that is what you're signing up for if you're becoming, if you're not a Christian yet, know that you're not signing up for a life of like, woo, you're signing up for a, a life of coming and dying. And if that's something that keeps you out, like, I just, I just can't accept that. I want you to at least know what you're rejecting. You're rejecting a life where God says, following my lead means I am master. And that means that I am not all about keeping you safe from difficulty or danger, but instead I'm trying to keep you safe from distance. Proximity between you and me means that we're going to be going through this life and you are going to have brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. But this is not high risk, low gain behavior. Instead, we, as we talked about last week, it's God's call is high risk, high gain behavior. Even if we're not seeing the payoff in this life, we're seeing that everything we're doing when we're boldly obeying him has a payoff. It, it, it is worth it. It is always worth it. 
So the question that we have after last week we studied the first two verses of, of the book of Jonah, the question that we should have is if Jonah was running away from God, how do I know if I'm running with God or away from him? If Jonah was running away, this is a super righteous guy, super good guy. He's done wonderful things for God and, and for his country, Israel. If, he's, if that's his deal, he's running away from God, how do I know if I'm not doing the same thing? In other words, how can I know if I'm following God's will for my life? And Again, last week what we did was we had a chance to discover um, just kind of going through the, the nuts and bolts of the, of the overview of the chapter, which are in the first two verses. The man, he, he's a prophet named Jonah. He's from the Galilean area. The destination, the great city of Nineveh. And great was not like on their, you know, trifold thing. Come to Nineveh. We're awesomely great. These people were the most brutal, abusive, inhumane individuals in history. And they loved it. The great city was significant in their torture, significant in their crimes against humanity, etc. The mission was to preach against it, which, which Jonah would have been cool with if it wasn't for the fact that he knew God well enough to know that God would have mercy on them if they repented. That he was not cool with. So the reason was because the wickedness of this city had come up before God. So this week we're actually getting into his decision. Okay, so God's given me this call. God's call is high risk, high gain. He's not calling me to be safe from uh, danger or difficulty. He's calling me to be safe from distance, and so I'm going to make a decision. So verse 3 lets us know what that is. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. And he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, etc. Let's, let's just take this apart just a little bit here. Um, he ran away. The word literally is he got up. God says, get up and go to Nineveh. And he's like, I'm getting up and I'm going the opposite direction. He go and he, he's, he was running away from, he gets up and he runs away from who? The Lord. Now the English doesn't have this, but like literally it's not just I'm running away from God because everyone, you know, you can't run away from God. He's literally running away from the presence of God. Now a prophet, a Hebrew prophet knows where God's presence is. On one level, God's presence is everywhere, but specifically uh, for a Hebrew Jew in this time, where is God's presence found? Where? The temple. He is getting away from the one place he knows where God is, he, the one place he knows where God's people are, and he's booking it the opposite direction. He is literally going in the opposite directions from God's house and God's call. Have you ever been there? Like, have you ever been in that situation where there's something that's happened, where you've done something or something's just difficult? And the last place you want to be is around God's people. And it wasn't even because Christians are annoying. It's just because I just have a hard time facing reality because this took place. And I don't feel it. In fact, if I had a choice, I'd like to go the opposite direction. That's literally what he does. He goes in the exact opposite direction from where he knows God's presence is, from where he knows where God's people are. He gets down and says that he found a ship bound for that port. He goes down to Joppa, which is this port on the coast of the Mediterranean in, in Israel. And he finds a ship bound for that port to go to Tarshish. Again, Tarshish, we don't know where that is. Tarshish was like, an, like a, just a, a catch word for industrial mining town of minerals. And so is where minerals were smelt. And so it could have been anywhere along the coast of the Mediterranean. But where they think the most likely place for this Tarshish was, was actually over by Spain or even where uh, current day Great Britain is. It was like completely opposite end of the world from where God had called him to go. After paying the fare. Now, now I'm thinking, and I th this, this actually could be, that he just pays his money to jump on this boat to go to Tarshish. The early rabbis didn't teach that though. 
They said that he was so desperate to get out and away from where God wants him to go. He keep on looking over his shoulder the whole time that he buys the boat. He buys the entire ship. He basically charters, look, look, just take me that way. Well, the, uh, where, where do you want to go? I don't care. That way. Let's go that way. And so there, he's going the exact opposite direction. So we have a guy who's investing a whole lot of resources to go someplace opposite of where God calls him to go, doing something opposite of what God calls him to do, and expecting that this is going to work out okay. It didn't. It worked out just the opposite of that. And what we end up seeing is Jonah falling into a situation where he is absolutely polar opposite of the will of God. And when we say the will of God, oftentimes we really want to know what that is. I really, I just wish I knew what the will of God was. I wish I knew what the will of God was for my life. Like, what's the will of God in this situation? What's the will of God in that? You know, this, this is a tough one. What, what's the will of God for, I mean, I want to know what the will of God is. But if we were completely honest, I think that we would rephrase this. We really don't. I really don't want to know what the will of God is. I'm actually, I'd, like to, I'd like to have God along for the ride when it's comfortable and not awkward and he's not going to get preachy. As long as he's, he's blessing me, he's helping me, he's making me feel like I'm a good person, he's there for Christmas and Easter, I'm totally cool with that. But as soon as the situation comes where I've got a pretty strong opinion on this, look, God, this is your, this is your stop, okay? I'll catch up with you just a little bit. I mean, it's only a couple months before now and Christmas, just relax. We'll see each other again. We don't. We really don't. If we're honest, if we're honest, we really don't want to know the will of God. And there was a movie that actually just pinpointed this issue fantastically. It came out in 1940. It was Disney's second animated classic called Pinocchio, which Walt Disney rewrote from the Carlo uh, Collati's. Uh, he was an um, uh, Italian writer back in the day, in the 1800s. Disney rewrites this actually intentionally having biblical parallels. And in this story, we've got Pinocchio right here, who's created by this, this um, carpenter father. His father who loves him, and he creates him, and he loves him. I mean, just the, the love, I mean, seriously, if you want to cry, go rewatch Pinocchio and watch Geppetto. And his, his love for this, 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 this puppet, this marionette that he creates. Pinocchio is in this situation where he's been given a will, and he chooses to use that will to rebel and go off and actually go and just basically live his life however he wants. So you got Stromboli, you got these two guys who are absolutely the wrong situation. Where does he end up in? What's, what's the name of that place? It's, I'm actually blanking. What's that? Not Monstro. The, the land that he goes to. Pleasure Island. That's it. Pleasure Island. And so, thank you. Whoever thought it got right up here. Um, Pleasure Island. So that's where he goes to. And in the process, all of a sudden, he starts to realize the ramifications of his decisions right away. Eventually, he ends up over in Monstro. Very fascinating, just the parallels that we're seeing in this passage of this great fish or whale going and pursuing the, the now um, fallen Pinocchio and Geppetto who's come to rescue him. It's, it's an amazing story. But the thing I find most fascinating with how Disney does, did what Disney always does with stories, they rebrand an original story to make it a little bit more palatable or a little bit more approachable for the current culture, was what happens with this guy? Who is this? Jiminy Cricket. In the original story, Jiminy Cricket is not named. He's just the talking cricket. And, and, and Jiminy Cricket in, in Pinocchio is this person who's, who's constantly trying to bat home this, this thing. Always let your conscience be your guide. There's an inner voice driving you to do the right thing. Let your conscience be your guide. And he's, he's kind of annoying. He's a little, he, he's, he literally bugs Pinocchio all the time. 
But, but in the end, he's just trying to pursue Pinocchio. That's not what takes place in the original story. In the original Pinocchio, Pinocchio kills him. He gets so annoyed with Jiminy Cricket that he throttles a hammer and squishes him to death. I really would love to see that version. Now, Walt Disney decided to edit that out, but what the original author wanted to do was this. You know what we always do? That. All of us want to murder this inner voice, this this voice that's constantly berating us to do something alternate to our will. Now, now if if you want to know how to do that, how to do that really well, to become tone deaf to God's will, there's three primary ways. The first is, actually, um, some of you may be, this may be your story. Look, I don't know what I don't know. I'm not a Christian. And so I, I don't really, ha- I haven't thought about God's will for my life. And if that's your story, let me just say, there's no expectation that you should be sensing God's will. Has God, because you're created in God's image, do you have a conscience that's driving you? Absolutely. But what God calls his followers to do, it's not something that you have any expectation on you yet because you don't have the ability to do it. And so if that's you, I don't know what I don't know. Let me just say, don't feel bugged because you haven't heard God's leading yet. Because that, that hasn't happened. Um, that does happen, though, in believers who've given their life to Jesus, who's forgiven them. And sometimes we fall into these last two categories, the hungry shopper. This is what I mean. How many of you guys know that it's a really bad idea to shop hungry? Okay, why? Yeah, you, you, right. You buy stuff you probably wouldn't have bought otherwise and things that probably aren't the best for you. For me, Fig Newtons. Oh, my goodness. Big Newtons. Okay, so one day, sometimes like I'm, if I'm working really, really, like just I'm focused on what I'm doing at, in the office, I'll forget about lunch. And then Julie will text me or something and say, hey, can you pick up some coffee on the way home? I'm like, sure. And so I go down to Jewel and I'm walking through and all of a sudden my, my sense of smell is like, whoa, it's heightened. And I can smell through the plastic and visqueen. I totally can. And, and I'm just like walking through it. As I'm walking through and I'm smelling stuff, all of a sudden I see Fig Newtons and I've got a wonderful, like my childhood my mom would give me, here's a Fig Newton. I remember the commercials where the kid would say, but mother, they're not cookies, they're Fig Newtons. Oh, okay, eat them in bed, go for it. And I remember all these wonderful nostalgic memories of Fig Newtons and I see a full sleeve of them. And I'm like, the heart wants what the heart wants. And so I go ahead and buy that thing. And here's the thing, I'm so hungry that between Jewel and my house, Seriously, don't judge me. I have eaten the entire sleeve and I've got like zero issues with it until I'm like, until I'm a little bit later, I'm like going, that was really a bad idea. Oh, I don't even like that anymore, but I have to have you. How can I stay mad at you? And I just, that, that happens. Okay, so the hungry shopper is somebody who's basically, the reason it's a bad idea is you don't have any fuel in your stomach giving you the capability when surrounded by other kinds of food to make a wise decision. There's no sustenance in the gut. You're basically making just haphazard. Oh, sure, that that looks wonderful. I think I want that now, and I got to have it. Spiritually speaking, this person is, I'm more reactive than led by God. I make decisions in the moment without a whole lot of sustenance to fuel biblical decisions. If you're a hungry shopper type of person, you can tone out and tune out God's call and his voice in your life because you're basically, you're going into the moment where you have to make a crisis decision in the moment without a whole lot of biblical sustenance. And so you're just doing what comes natural. Why did, I, why did I explode 
at her like that? Why did, I, why did I make that decision? Why was I so vulnerable in that moment when I've been strong before? This person, a thing that, that goes through their mind a lot is the heart wants what the heart wants. And if you don't have any sustenance, biblically speaking, when you're in that crisis moment, you're not gonna make a biblical decision because you're, an, you're an hungry shopper. You're making the decision on the fly. The third uh, type of way that we tone out God's voice in our life is the Lego builder. How many fans of Legos are in the house? Love Legos. Love them. I love the fact that you buy a, you know, a set for like, I don't know, an X-Wing fighter or something, and it's $450 or something like that. And then before long, it looks like this. And nobody cares. But here's the thing. The thing I love about Legos is you get this and like you go through a whole thing and you can build your kingdom however you want. In fact, you go through here and there's lots of goofy bricks and you're like, this makes no sense. I'm not going to use that. But that's cool because I've got all the rest of this. What makes building Legos and building your kingdom with Legos awesome is the creativity. All the options are yours. All the things are at your disposal. This doesn't translate, however. This does not translate to our spiritual walk well. Because what ends up happening is God says, I have a call for you. I have a will for your life. And what we end up doing is going... Okay, well, that's cool, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick this one, but I'm leaving this one behind because I can't. Look, all the decisions are mine to make anyway. Just let me build my kingdom however I want to build it. If there's parts left over, who cares? I mean, when have like remaining parts left over ever been a problem anyway? I'm better equipped to make a decision in this situation than God is. When we do this with our walk with God, we say, listen, there's parts of Scripture that I clearly don't agree with. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick out the parts I like, and I'm going to build my kingdom with this and with some other stuff that's on the side. And I'm just going to keep the—I'm going to leave the stuff I'm not, I'm not digging about God, which works until we realize what those parts that we left behind were meant for. And we see the insecurity in the kingdom that we've built— because we built it all around us. And whenever we build something that's all about us or all around us, it gets sideways quick. So the question is, what do we do? How do we make a similar, how do we, how do we look at Jonah's, you know, verse three reaction to God saying, listen, I, I, I respect you, but I know better in this situation. I'm going to go the opposite direction in this situation. How do we actually avoid doing that exact same thing? See, because our problem is not that we just uh, can't figure out God's will. It's really that we don't want it. Here's what we oftentimes want God's will for. We want God's will for level five things. Who am I going to marry? Um, should I break this off? Should I, should I get a different job? Should I move? Should I start this relationship? Should, should I... Should I Take, make this move relationally with this person or should I, you know, whatever. Should I talk to someone at work about the Lord? We, we have like level five things that are like kind of like big, big hitters. And, and it's, we don't really think about God's will in the level one, two, three, and four, but all of a sudden we're, we come to a crisis point. This, in this tragedy, what do I do? Now what's God's will for my life? I, I don't know. And the reason we can be so insecure over here on the level five issues is because we've ignored God in the, all the daily one, two, three, and four. The, the mundane things about life where we're daily trying to understand God and soak it in what it is that he wants for us on a daily basis. When they're not crisis decisions, they're just decisions on how do I respond to this person at work? How do I respond to my kids? How do I respond to my parents? Those level one, two, three, and four. How many of you are, are grillers? 
You like to grill, okay? How many are really, really good at marinating uh, meat? I know nothing about marinating meat except for that you can't fake it, okay? What you can't do is just put a raw piece of meat on the grill and then just take like that Ziploc bag full of marinade and just like pour it on it and then just walk away and go, sweet, marinate. And now in order for a marinade to, hap- marinade to happen, it has to do what? Soak. Why? Why? Why can't I just like lather it on the, on the skin? Because, yeah, it's got to get inside, man. It's got to get inside. Now, I've tasted good marinade, and I've tasted awful marinade. And the difference is, have you faked it? Have you faked the marinade? And just like that, our spiritual walks are the same way. We cannot fake the marinade. If you are someone who is frustrated because you feel like, I don't know God's will for my life, perhaps, perhaps, It's because you're faking the marinade and in the crisis moment, you're trying to slather on the right decisions at the right moment, but so last minute, the proof is in the pudding that you you faked it. So what we're gonna do is try to discover how it is that we can actually go the opposite direction Um, and four four key ingredients to this, okay? And this is important. I I want us to remember, this part's gonna go kind of swift, but I want you to to remember each one of these. All right, we've got four sections here. We did this last week, so um, if you were here last week and you had like, you actually said something during a sermon, um, I'm apologizing, but we're gonna do it again. So here's the thing. I want everyone over here, you guys are gonna say the first ingredient. The first ingredient is what? Good, that's very, very calm and nice, very church-like. Okay, but I want you to be a little bit louder, okay? One, two, three. Okay, first ingredient is? Second ingredient is? Third ingredient is? Fourth ingredient is? Okay, so here's the deal. Here's how it works, okay? I'm in a situation. I am daily needing to marinate my life so it's not a last-minute situation. So daily, I'm going to come to a point of? Okay, so my perspective is this. God, I want to follow your lead. I am not the master. I am not the leader of my destiny. Look, I don't know what's going to happen today, God, but whatever it is, to you, I, that's right, okay, but God, I need to know what you're saying. What am I surrendering to? How do I know what your voice is saying? How do I know you're leading me? So what I need to do is I need to educate myself on the voice of God, and he's done amazing things for us. He gave us an entire book full of it, and that is called And so what I need to do, not just to get like gold stars or have people think that I'm super spiritual because I'm reading my Bible or bring it out right when my my spouse or my kids are walking by so I'm making a good impression on them and as soon as they're gone, I'm bringing the phone right back out and playing on it. But I'm actually going to engage to hear God's voice. So I'm starting the day with, and I'm also engaging to help me understand what God's saying. Now, once God tells you, when, once, God, once you start hearing God's voice through Scripture, all of a sudden, he's going to start calling you to do things that are awkward. And for that, you're going to need, oh yeah, you are, thank you. You're going to need prayer because you're going to need to be in those situations knowing I'm not flying solo just with a manual telling me what to do, but I actually have someone who's walking with me. And the cool thing about is that you could do it anywhere and nobody could tell you you can't do it. I mean, you, I mean, you can avoid being obnoxious by standing on your desk in your office or at school and like praying out loud. That would be weird. But like you could pray anywhere. You can pray, you could pray in the bathroom. You could pray at amusement parks. You could pray at a table where everything is going bad in your family. No matter where you are, no matter what's happening, it's something that you can do because you're clutching onto God saying, God, I want to be adhered to your will. Help me in this moment. But sometimes if I'm surrendering to God completely, 
I've actually been reading God's word, so I'm understanding his leading on my life, and I'm asking him to assist me. Sometimes I'm still at a loss. Well, what does God want me to do in this situation? Like, do I do this or do I do this? Both of these options seem good. Both of these options seem surrendering to God. Both of these options seem congruent with Scripture. Both of these options seem something that prayerfully feel right. What do I do? That's when I get into people are the people that God has called around you, the people that are godly people who can actually give you godly advice. If you're listening to, you're going to have some wise counsel if the people you choose are godly people. Now, if the people you're choosing aren't, you're, you know, you're going to get what what you're getting. But if you're calling around you some people who are giving you godly insight, it's going to make a huge difference. Let's just tackle these really, really quick here. First off, on surrender. Again, surrender is this idea. And this is where we're going to need Romans chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to that. This is huge. We're not going to have it up on the screen. But Romans chapter 12 says this. And this is, again, how do I know what God's will is for my, my life? Paul lets us know it starts with surrender. Verse, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is saying, listen, you could totally go like status quo. You could just be like everyone else around you in your demographic or your age bracket. Just be like them. Or you can know what God's will is. You want to know what God's will is? You surrender and sacrifice to him. You don't surrender and sacrifice to whatever political situation's going on. You don't surrender and sacrifice to him whatever you're afraid of. You don't surrender and sacrifice to whatever financial cr- crisis you're having. The first inf- or, or even to people's opinion of you. Your first surrender is to him. That's your starting point. And when your life is given over to him, all of a sudden... You start to discern, I'm sensing what God wants me to do here more than I would otherwise. Romans chapter 12 lets us in on that secret. It's huge. Secondly, not only surrender, but we also step into the whole concept of Scripture. Now, Scripture is something that, that is incredibly important because when we get into Scripture, that, that is the key area that we all of a sudden have a chance to understand what it is God is saying. Now, some of you in this room may have had a situation in life where you've heard the audible voice of God, like that happened. And I'm just telling you as your pastor, I have never heard the audible voice of God, Errol, not the Fig Newtons. Just put it back. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I have been so overwhelmingly, like, absolutely sure that God was almost audibly communicating to me when I've been in situations where surrender has happened, where I've been immersed in scripture, where all of a sudden I'm like, this is so clear. I mean, it's as if it was as if, if, as if I'm watching a movie of God telling me it was that poignantly and powerful. You may be someone who is spotty with your, with your engagement of this book because it's difficult or it's, you know, it's hard to understand or whatever. Let me just say, I want to challenge you to get into it, knowing that you're not going to understand it all. I don't understand it all. Knowing that parts of it aren't going to make sense. There's parts of this that don't make sense to me. But knowing that, that on a whole, it is so amazingly clear how clearly this is God's word to us. And if I want to know anybody's voice, I need to read what it is that they're writing, understand what it is that they're leading other people to do, and then all of a sudden, I know them better. 
Read scripture. And here's, here's a really great way. If you want to get into scripture and you're not right now, go to your phone. You could do this during the sermon. You could download this Bible app, which is um, it's uversion.com. And there's tons of all these, and it's totally free. And there's all these free devotionals. This one right here, Discerning God's Will with R.C. Sproul. Amazing guy. This is some deep theological stuff. And it's not super long reading, but you start with the devotional and, um, and then there's just a couple of uh, passages you're reading, but it's helping you understand how to understand God's will. That's free. So go ahead and jump in on that. Now, the truth is, is that a lot of us are not good memorizers like of anything, let alone scripture. How many of you struggle with memorizing? Yeah, I, I wish I was good at memorizing. Some of you who didn't raise your hand, I can't stand you people. Because I wish that I had a fraction of that. Because I would love to like just have this thing blanketing my mind. So I need to have cheats. And so I want to give you guys a cheat that we started back in, way back in the day in 360. When I was a, a three, the high school pastor of 360, we wanted to have high, we, every high schooler, most high schoolers, took showers. Most of them do. And so we're like, okay, these guys are, they've got crazy busy schedules. But what if we gave them something where while they're taking a shower, they could be immersed in God's word. And so we decided to come up with this thing called Shower Buddies, which is, sounds just as awkward as it is. But it's these laminated little uh, cards. And, and what the laminated little cards do is they have, uh, on one side, they have a Bible verse or two Bible verses. So tonight, on your way out, one per household or one per, if you have like multiple showers and whatever, you can grab a little suction cup. It's a little suction cup hook. You take this put it on there. And every day you can go ahead and immerse yourself in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. And you could read it over and over again. You could start your day that way. Or if you're an end of the day showerer, you could end your day that way. Another thing that's amazing about the time that we live in is that if you don't understand, like, I don't know, like, I know God's word is to guide me, but I don't know where to find stuff. 2016 is the most amazing period of, of history for being able to find things in Scripture. This is called Bible Gateway. It, I've written it down in your notes, BibleGateway.com. And like, let's say that you struggle with anger. Some of us do in this room. Um, and you just type that into the search bar. Uh, you type in anger, and all of a sudden, what you get a chance to do is to see what it is that Scripture has to say about anger. And what Bible Gateway does, and you can test this out while we're talking here, is it'll tell you, okay, there's 268 direct words of anger in the NIV. And it'll tell you exactly what books are in, and then it'll list it down on the bottom. Um, and if you wanted to, like, learn even more, there's, like, a topical index, and you can go through and just kind of find out what is God's perspective on anger. Is all anger bad? Is there ever a justification for anger? Find out all this stuff, and you can find it in God's Word. And so you're not only surrendering to God, but you're actually going to Scripture for direction. And then after that, you're able to, to get into the concept of prayer. Now, this freaks out a lot of us because you're like, I'm not a good prayer. Yes, you are. As long as you can communicate with anybody, like say a word to anybody, you are able to pray because praying is just saying words to another person, that person happening to be God. So you're a prayer. And, and on top of that, if you came from like a liturgical background, like Catholic or Lutheran, or, you already have one of the best prayers memorized. I don't think prayers should be memorized. I think they should be from your heart. But you have one memorized. You do. It's already in your head. And it's, and it's Jesus teaching us what this whole process looks like. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Go ahead and say this with me. This is from Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What is this? This, this is genius. Jesus wasn't saying say this every single day. Jesus wasn't saying just memorize this so you have something to do in church and you don't look like you're an outsider. Jesus was saying, you want to know what, what, what an amazing prayer does? It says this, God, I'm surrendering to you. I am surrendering to you. You're in heaven. You are the one who's to be revered. It's your agenda, your kingdom first, not mine. I'm surrendering to you. And so what I'm asking you is I'm asking you to supply my needs, not just so I could be a reservoir of them, but so that I can actually let this connection between you and me infiltrate all the other connections that I have with other people. Forgive me, God, but yeah, help me forgive others. Help me not only just to hold on to that, but let me lead that out to others. And, and God, there's this invisible reality going on inside of my head. People don't know what I'm thinking. People don't know what I'm struggling with, but I'm struggling. And it's a, it's a satanic attack. It's a demonic attack. His whole agenda is to help me walk away from you. And so lead me not in temptation, but deliver, deliver me from the person who's going to invisibly try to do more damage than any physical person I will ever see. That's prayer. That's clutching on to God, saying, God, I want your will, but I need to surrender to you. I need to connect my heart to you, my life to you. I need to pray. I want to challenge you this week just to pray in your truck, in your car, on the way to work. Again, I've said this a ton of times, but just turn off the radio on the way to work, on the way to school, and just, just pray. Pray out loud and talk to God about the day. Feel free to have moments of silence where you're just listening in for God's leading on your heart. Let that happen. Let that pour over you. Let that take place. And finally, we go from, from surrender to scripture, from prayer to people. We need people. We need people. Um, in Acts chapter 15, when, when the early church, this is after Jesus died on the cross and rose again, they, needed to, they were at crisis points as a church, and they didn't know how to handle certain situations. And so they got together and they prayed. They, they reflected on Scripture. They reflected on the work of Jesus. And then they said, it made sense to the Holy Spirit and us to make this decision. We got together and we sought God's will, and this made sense to us based on what God is doing, who God is, and this, the fact that we got together. And I'm telling you right now, if you're not part of this, you can be. And the way that you can be a part of this is just like, seriously, go right out there tonight and actually go up to that connection wall and actually find somebody's group that you could be a part of. There are groups all around this community and outstretched of this community who would love to have you sitting in their living room to be able to go through this. God is going to bring you through some stuff in 2016 that are going to be sketchy and sideways. Same thing with 2017. What if you had a group of people that you could sit there and say, look, I, I don't really know what to do with this situation, but I need prayer. What should I do? What would, be, what would be the biblical, right, godly thing to do? And you could have godly people who are actually surrounding you doing just that. These are two groups. One meets on Friday at, uh, at, with uh, Tracy and Jerry Chopin and Ryan and Corey Caney. This other one meets here on Wednesday nights. Um, actually, child care is taken care of because all the kids are in all the kids' ministry. And so that's amazing. That takes place right here. I want to challenge you. Do not be the type of person who's neglecting the fact that God has called you into a relationship with people. Now, this is the thing. Again, God's will is high. His call on us is high risk and high gain. It's going to be difficult. But the beautiful thing is that we don't just have God saying, just do this. It's going to be tough. Just do my will. We actually have the most amazing example of what surrender looks like, don't we? 
We have Jesus in the garden before going to the cross. And what does he say? Look, Lord, if there is any way, Father, if there's any way, take this cup away from me, what I'm about to have to do. The anguish and separation from me that I'm about to experience. If there's any way, do that. But it's what? Not my will, but yours be done. Let that be our story. Let that be our, our cry. Now, as a church, what we do is every month we come together to remember that. We remember that in, in the Lord's Supper, in the Lord's table. If you're a Christian, this table is for you. 